I'm Jamie Gennaro, and this is Business for Humans. Let's talk about taking your business to a new level without the suits and without being a robot. Here, you can be yourself, you can be imperfect, you can be flawed, and you can still have raging success. So let's go. Hello, everybody. So I promised you all that I would um, stop just being myself here talking to you alone. And I promised that I would be starting to interview some of my clients. And I am so excited that that series is starting today with Rachel. Rachel and I have worked together for a while now. We originally started working together on a project back in agency life. And then when I went into coaching, Rachel came on board pretty early in the process. And so I feel like we've been doing some good work together over the last couple of years, which is very exciting. So Rachel Holm, who is joining me today, is a graphic journalist who makes illustrated essays, memoirs, and articles for media outlets, outlets and businesses. Um, she writes, researches, and observes from a place of shared humanity, delighting in and questioning our common knowledge and cultural beliefs, along with the systems and individuals living them out. So Rachel, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much. I was wondering if I'm going to update my LinkedIn with my new married name, which is so much more difficult. Yeah, I kind of skipped over it. <laughs> I don't even know if I pronounced your last name correctly. I've never said it out loud until It rhymes with mom, my mom always says. Okay, so home. Yeah. Okay, see, I didn't even get my, it right. <laughs> if you're looking for my Dutch roots, it's Hom van den Wildenberg. Nice, nice. So Rachel okay. is another American living in the Netherlands. And what's exciting about Rachel's journey, I mean, so many things are exciting and we'll get into it, but... But Rachel recently left her full-time job to pursue illustration full-time. And not that you haven't been doing it and doing lots of projects and being in this art space for a really long time, but what a moment yeah. that now it's for real. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit more about how you introduce yourself. I know that was your bio, but... But now that you're in this space and you don't have that job to use as a piece of your identity, how do you like to talk about what you're doing now and kind of what your mission is with your work? Wow. Okay. So in full disclosure, I'm still really, I'm figuring it out. <laughs> and we've talked about this before, but I've also had a couple, yeah, I'm, I'm experienced in side projects. So I know every time you start something new, you kind of have to practice laying out for other people what it is you're doing. And the more you say it, the more you kind of get used to saying it, the more you learn about the best way to explain what you're doing. Um, and so I've just kind of started with this. Like you said, I just left my old job. So I'm still definitely practicing on how to like uh, how to describe it. Um, I think graphic journalist is the way to go for now. I was also batting around like illustrated essayist. I thought, oh, this sounds a little bit too a little too niche. So I want to stay a bit more open to in, in describing what I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's still really raw. I think graphic journalist is mostly and also illustrator because, you know, I'm looking for something that becomes like a good email sign off. <laughs> right? When you contact people, you can say what you do. Right. But also that comes with like limitations. 
So I'm trying not to like cut off too many, cut myself off too soon yet. I'm still exploring a little bit. So what yeah. Call yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> of course it does. And, and so explain a little bit with like some examples of the work that you've been doing recently. What does that mean? Just in case people can't really connect the dots of what, you know, a graphic journalist would do. Right, right. Um, Okay, so what I've been doing lately, um, I've been making illustrated reportage. So reportage art is where you um, report on location, making drawings or paintings yourself about an event unfolding, Um, trying to capture those dynamics of what's happening and then also interviewing people uh, who are involved in it. So there's also some background research, which is also required. And then, um, yeah, trying to tell the story of what unfolded, the event unfolding. Um, but I'd also like to do a little bit more personal work. So I've made some illustrated memoirs. And it's like kind of just a combination of writing and then the illustrations that go together with it, like a really adult picture book. <laughs> um, and what I'm still kind of developing when I said illustrated essays is, you know, I come from the creative industry where we have a really succinct way of presenting our ideas. Um, And maybe there's days and weeks of research and insight behind that and research from all different places. I was a strategist. So I'm used to looking at like business, looking at like big cultural themes, interviewing specific people and consumers, expert opinions, you know, following the media trends and kind of pulling it all together into a really succinct story. Um, so that's what I'd like to start working on doing that same kind of, um, or using those same kind of skills and then having a really succinct sort of essay or article that goes with illustrations to help explain or even add more emotion to, to the writing. So yeah, it's, I, I'm still definitely researching for other artists working in that way. Um, I have found some, I definitely have some inspirations from other graphic journalists. One of my biggest heroes is Wendy McNaughton. And she's more on the reportage side and investigation. So she'll, um, yeah, go on location and interview a lot of people and kind of write about how the different systems are affecting people. Uh, She sometimes does an illustrated column for the New York Times. And that's really cool. But I'm still looking for, yeah, maybe other artists to look up to her her making a little bit more of an essay format, like I'm imagining. Maybe there are, maybe there aren't. We'll see. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's what's so interesting about kind of carving this path for yourself too. I mean, it's sort of a niche and it's sort of not, it's sort of wide and also, you know, honed in. And I just love that's a, that's so telling of your artist's mind that you're so interested in so many different things and that you've honed in on this way to deliver your art in a way that's also helpful and impactful and can do something for people, streamline their thoughts and, um, or capture an event. I, it's so beautiful. And I've seen your work and, and obviously we'll share a link for people too, but it's really interesting to see the way that your brain sees things. That's a really fun, interesting part of it too, to see events unfolding through your eyes. I mean, that's the beauty of art, right? That there's absolutely that level of, yeah. It's like also part of the strategist mind and the artist's mind, which can be exposed, you know, made visible. You know, that's something I think is so cool. And so it's so fun to share and also see what other people, how they experience something, you know, how they observe it. Yeah. Uh, What you said about the, like the wide open 
but also super niche. <laughs> like the, the brief I'm giving myself is like both wide open and super niche. I was just listening to your Believing in Magical Things podcast episode. It was episode number 13. And I was like, oh, totally. I was vibing with them. Like I live in that space. It's just like, I'm like the magical thing space, you know? And for me, it's like, will, can I get this magical thing into reality or not? Right. That's always like the challenge I'm going after. Well, and that's the moment you're in, right? Like you just left your full-time job. And I like to always preface these conversations by saying, you don't come from money. Like you don't have some big safety net. You are a working woman who's had a career. You've done well for yourself, but you didn't, you're not going into this with some, you know, million dollar, unless you're, unless you are, but I, but I like to think of this leap as like, that's the vulnerability of a leap like this. And the, and why there's so much fear around a leap like this, because leaving a paycheck to follow magical things feel scary and you have to ground it in a reality. So tell people kind of where you were when we started working together that allowed you to kind of like grease the runway to get to this point. Okay. Well, first, another worthy preface is I think we first started working together in a coaching relationship (laughs) Um, and maybe late 2019 or 2020. And when I kind of look back on how long I've been uh, aching, (laughs) you know, to implement this change, it's actually been years in the making, you know, that um, when I started working with you, I was like, I want to get an illustration portfolio together. And that was already three or four years ago, right? And then of course, everything happened, life happened and Corona happened and moved, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think we maybe like everybody or (laughs) you and I, at least, you know, can give ourselves more credit for like how long this transition has actually been underway. Um, And then what actually happened was we started working together in January and I was on extended sick leave at the time. And I just felt so like wrecked, you know, and that actually was the springboard for making a big change because it wasn't, yeah, I couldn't accept feeling that way. And you really needed to look, I could accept feeling that way. I had to, but I mean, you know, if I was going to change my circumstances and feel better, I needed to look at my situation and find out like, what, what could I change here? Embrace some of that magical thinking. Um, I remember we did this guided visualization, which has really been changing the course of my year um, for what I can expect for my work. And it kind of ended up being a little bit subliminal, (laughs) but um, yeah, I kind of came from rock bottom and then started working working our way back up again. And you gave me so much guidance with how to handle the practicalities of that, then combined with the more like motivational, magical aspect. To, well, um, I think one work. thing we yeah. did that I think is important in, in this conversation too, is that you were on burnout leave, which in the Netherlands is a but basically seen as a medical condition that you can take time off of work from and and you have you know a, you see a doctor i think that's a beautiful thing in the netherlands but one thing that we did was we didn't rush you out the door of your job either and i think that's kind of an important part of the process is also sometimes looking at where you are with your in relationship to your work and seeing if you need to give yourself a little bit more time 
before going into full scarcity? Because sometimes if you're not quite ready emotionally to, to make the leap, because it's an emotional leap and it comes with ups and downs and scarcity, we decided to kind of keep you where you were. Yeah. For a few months and then transition you out so that you weren't also, you know, healing from burnout, wanting to make a change, but rushing that change and then feeling scarcity. Yeah, right. And that was a huge like transformational moment for me. It wasn't a moment, it's practice. (laughs) It's like when that practice was initiated, you know, because my first instinct when something um, wasn't going well for me or was painful was just kind of like, leave, you know, it's like, all right, this isn't working. I'll just get out of here. Um, and so that sort of like finding the courage <laughs> to hang on and advocate for myself and also like make boundaries and stick to them was really difficult, but it taught me so, so much. And it also helped with that kind of scarcity thinking that by the time I decided I was ready to leave, you know, I was really ready and it had been a long emotional process. You're right. That was January. And I just left, um, a couple weeks ago. So. Yeah. So that's nine months in case people listen, you know, another time of the year, it was nine months and, and it, it didn't slow you down. I think that's a really important part of this too. It wasn't that we kept you at your job and then you tabled everything else that you were doing. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a thing I've been talking about with another client, which is this idea that when you set boundaries, we stop working at 150% and then we go to 100%. And that's so much more than other people give. But for people like you and I and some of my other clients, we're so used to giving 150 that when we pull back to 100, we're like, oh, whoa, we have like all this energy and time. And like, if we also just take a step back emotionally from the job, then we also have that extra energy to put towards things. And it doesn't mean you're bad at your job or that you're, you don't have a good work ethic. It's, it's normal. Like it's not quiet quitting. It's how you should just normally be at work, right? It shouldn't be your full identity. Your identity as an artist, the job was giving you a means to, to survival and you were doing a great job at your, at your job, but you were learning new things there that you needed to kind of take with you on this journey to now be self-employed. Yeah. Yeah, it also gives a new perspective, you know, like I had enough time to change my perspective on that work and take distance and be able to look at it a little bit more objectively and less from even my own place of of fearful judgment sometimes, that fearful judgment of like, oh, I'm not giving 150%, you know, feeling guilty for that. So it definitely like took time and needed, I needed time to sort of transition away and get perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. And what, what kind of old beliefs do you feel like you had that you started to shift through this process? The the last nine months or the last couple of years? Like, what are some of those beliefs that you remember? Like, oh, that was one I was holding tight to. Yeah. Um, Coming out of burnout has been like a healing and this has been part of it. And going my next step is is all part of the healing phase. And I think one thing I was doing to keep myself or not intentionally keeping myself, but that did keep me more burned out was the idea that I constantly needed to push myself. And I mean, I kind of laugh now because it's almost ridiculous. I'm somebody who has like so much energy and I'm so enthusiastic 
that it, it makes me laugh to think back at how hard I was always pushing myself. And it seems unnecessary, which is why it makes me laugh. I'm like, can be really effusive. I mean, I also need my periods of rest, but I'm like often like overflowing with like ideas and like the will to create and, you know, and I thought like, well, then why do we need to like punish myself and stay pushing all the time? That was a big one to let go of. And I remember also that kind of revelation. I think we maybe had it together in our session that, uh, that I kind of had this fear that like, if I wasn't pushing myself, I was falling backwards, you know? And I thought like, oh, well, that's, that's not true. You know, like I don't need to, I don't need to push myself around. I don't need to push myself out of anywhere. I'm doing great. Like just how I am. And coming to that acceptance was like, whoa, really big change. Another like new tape that I use from you that kind of like replaces those old answering machine tapes like I used to have in there was, was something like, that's not how we talk to our friend, Rachel. You know, like I say, oh yeah, Jamie, I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that, you know, feel really down on myself, really negative. You say, would you, would you tell an, a friend of yours that? Would you tell your friend those kind of things? And so like, no, of course not. It's not supportive. It's a little bit mean. And you're like, well, we don't tell our good friend Rachel that either. <laughs> so <laughs> now when I'm kind of getting down, I'm like, we don't talk to Rachel that way. <laughs> yeah. It's you know? so, it, that voice is so loud, right? Because, and we, because we ramp it up our whole lives because we think it's making us more productive. That we're like, if I beat myself up, it's the negativity that's going to make me want to work harder. And it's such the opposite of how most people really do thrive. It's when you get a lot of positive affirmations or positive recognition around, you know, around you, not that you're looking for external validation, but when you get it, you feel like you're on the right track. Yeah. And, and when people are battering you all the time, which hopefully doesn't happen to many of us. But if you're getting battered all the time, you're not going to want to do anything. It slows you down. And we just don't see that in our own brains as something that could possibly happen if we're going through all these negative thoughts, because we, we were so used to thinking that's what's propelling us forward. Mm -hmm. So we're afraid to give it up too, because we're afraid that we are going to fall backwards if we stop berating ourselves. Right. And it actually doesn't make you work harder, but it makes doing the work harder. Yes. You know, it just makes everything so much heavier yes. because you just feel like you're dragging this weight around that you're not good enough or you're not doing enough. And then you're trying to do more, but you got this huge weight like attached. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. And it takes a long time to start to quiet it down. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of recognition and not beating yourself up because you're not farther along with making the negative voice go away too. You don't want to beat yourself up because, oh my God, there's negative voice. It's still there. It should be gone. It's never going to be gone. You just have to make it quiet. Yeah. Another thing that I learned from you was kind of trusting my brain to do what it's good at, but like not let it um, harass me the rest of the time. You know, so I've had stress dreams, you know, I'm I'm one of those where I'm just, the wheels are kind of like constantly turning. And I remember you another time pointing out to me and saying, okay, so your brain's doing great trying to plan your survival, (laughs) you know, but you can better use it to plan something else that's like really necessary and not just running around in these worry loops, you know, um, you probably have a better way of putting it, but it was that I... I'm trusting my instincts and moving forward with what I've decided. And then my brain needs to get on board with that and then help me solve the rest of those problems. 
that will like help me keep progressing and not solve other problems that are about like scarcity and fear uh, <laughs> for my survival, which thankfully is not an in- imminent concern, you know? So yes. um, let my brain work for me, not against me. <laughs> right. And yeah, keeping it focused, I think is a, is a good one for you. Yeah. Keeping it focused on the, on the problem at hand. Because yeah. your brain is really good at solving problems. I mean, that's a strategist brain and it's going to look for problems to solve and you sometimes need to just hone it in. Yes. Um, absolutely. So last question, and then I want you to share with people how to find you and, and all of that. But what advice would you give yourself? Let's say your January self, knowing what you were going through then and knowing where you are now. What would you tell her? Wow, this was the one question on your prep question list that I actually didn't have a good answer for. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think, you know, so I was coming, I'm coming from a place of recovery. I was on a burnout and and I'd also moved house and gone through a lot of like life um, transitions, which, you know, all added up together. And I remember saying I wanted to go from A to B to C. A was like kind of a place of like sickness, you know, where I just like wasn't doing that well. Um, I needed to stop the rest of what I was doing and focus on recovery. B was like the next step towards C, which is sort of living the kind of um, lifestyle that we wanted to have here, like making the kind of work that I want to make, you know, sort of like happy dream scenario. (laughs) And I think what I didn't realize in January was that like, I wasn't at A anymore, but I was actually at step B. And now that I feel everything kind of coming together, I'm almost at C, you know, like it's actually happening a lot um, sooner, or I'm maybe starting to recognize everything now all at once. And I think the January self could have taken a little more um, consolation or pride that she was like actually in the middle of the transition because at the time when you start transitioning or I started like um on my healing journey <laughs> you know you still felt like I still felt like unwell and I I was so I was almost even tired of resting I was like oh, I've rested enough like I want to fix things you know I'm rested out and I want to fix things of course I wasn't fully recovered but <laughs> Um, And I felt really impatient, but actually because I was in the process of, quote, fixing things or working on my recovery, I was actually already in the middle of it. And when I was impatient and frustrated with myself, it's because I thought I hadn't started yet. So I could have, I could have, I could reach back to January, Rachel, and just give her a little more credit and say, like, you're doing good. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No rush. I think that's part of the healing process too, is that we over... We, we overcompensate by thinking we need to be more productive when the most productive thing we can do is rest, yeah. right? And to heal and to give ourselves credit and to do some practices that just make us feel grounded and more centered in ourselves. We think that that's not productive work. And if you don't do that work, you're just going to keep ending up in the same place, right? In the hamster wheel of continuous burnout because you don't give yourself that time to like step out of the wheel and just be to your point, like in that transition, as soon as you step out of that wheel, the healing starts. Yeah. And you were in it. I love that. I love that. 
Oh my God, Rachel, I could talk to you for hours. Good. <laughs> we have, we have talked for have hours. Talked hours. <laughs> <laughs> we could tell you of all the hours we've, we've talked. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, and I wanted to share a really piece, a piece of good news, which is that um, I submitted an artwork concept for a program called Kunst in the Gemeente. And it's like art in the, in the city, <laughs> kind of city unit. Our city is a bunch of villages, like all mashed together. <laughs> um, anyways, and it got onto the voting round. So oh. yeah, there's three rounds. So it made it past like the very first elimination. So now it's in public voting. Only um, residents of uh, my Jemaine can vote for it. But if it gets um, the top three votes, then I have a chance to execute the art piece. So um, that's so exciting. That's really exciting. Wow. Congratulations. That's huge. That's huge. And like, that's something that art was inspired by, like, looking out my window and recovering and, you know, both working hard on it, but also kind of observing, taking refuge in the, in my surroundings and getting good feedback on it, which is one of the coolest things that it resonates with my neighbors and yeah. other people in our, in our district. So that's nice. Oh, that's so great. I love that. Oh, amazing. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Well, will you please tell people where they can find you and where they can find your work? I'll post it also in the show notes, but if there's anything that you can share. Yeah. Um, I'm reasonably active on Instagram. <laughs> That's at Homdinger, H-O-M-D-I-N-G-R. Go straight to the R, Homdinger. Um, let's see, I have a website of the same name. I'm on LinkedIn, although I have probably a different job description of right now. And I'd like to start, there's this new platform called Pencil Booth, which is sort of like just a quick weekly update where you share four pieces of news or something. Um, and it's a little bit more visually based. So I thought that'd be a good fit. So I'd like to start up a pencil booth soon under the same name, Palmdinger. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, as a as a deadline, you could try to get that up before this podcast airs. So I'll yeah, give you the air date. You can then you might have that. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait, it's probably airs later. So <laughs> yeah, not airing today. So you have some time, but then you could maybe get that up before it goes out. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Right. When you're showing out, so you'd be like, it's there. <laughs> she did it. <laughs> right? So great. Yeah. It gives you a little tap of motivation. Well, yeah. Rachel, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure as always checking in with you. Thanks for sharing. And I'm going to end the show there. Talk Thanks to you guys all next week. You've been listening to Business for Humans. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And please leave a review so that other business owners can find the show. Learn more at practica.consulting.com.